Thank you. What a wonderful church you belong to. Fantastic. Just what a wonderful church. And I was just standing at the front there just being blessed. And, you know, I just thought, oh, there's just such a lovely presence of God and just a sense of expectancy. And what a great problem to have, James, when you can't stop your church from praying. You know, just one, then another, then another, then another. Um, just just um, wonderful. So I was really blessed there. I want to read to you right now, if that's okay. Um, and I want to read to you from the book of John. John chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. Last night we were looking at the second part of the passage, and I was talking about the woman. Today, I want to talk about the well, and I want to read from the start of the passage. So I'm going to start to read at verse um, 3. That's okay. Fantastic. Well-known passage, the woman at the well. So Jesus left the Judean countryside and went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came into Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was still there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down at the well. It was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. And Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink. And I would give you fresh, living water. The woman said, Sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. Then the woman said to him, give me this water. That's where I want to end the reading this morning. Um, we know the story continues with Jesus explaining again that the water he gives her will create, will give her everlasting life. He tells her he knows her situation. She's been married five times, and um, the man that she's with at the moment is not her husband. And her life, as a result of that conversation with Jesus, is changed. And the lives of those around her are also changed. Like we were just hearing about, I want to share my story with other people. She was desperate then to share her story with others, and other people's lives got changed this morning, I want to talk not about the woman, but I want to talk about the well, the well that we have inside of us. You know, that place where the Holy Spirit resides when we gave our life to Jesus and, and the Holy Spirit came to live within us. So he's there with us all the time. And that place where we, where the well, our, our well, that, that place where the Holy Spirit is kept, then I want us to to think about that, our own personal well. Because when we are full of the Holy Spirit, our circumstances and situations don't seem so bad. Is that right? 
You know, we go through circumstances and situations in life, and um, we go through, you know, really difficult situations and things. And um, if we can keep our well healthy, you know, if we can keep it maintained and just keep full of the Holy Spirit, but how do we do that? How do we stop it leaking? How do we make sure that whatever we meet in life, we are in touch with God, you know, that we, um, we feel his presence. And, and if you've got a maintained well, then we face life circumstances far, far better. And that's why I want to focus in on that today. A few years ago, my friends gave me a present. It was wrapped in red paper. And as I undid it, I, undid it, I could see it was a DVD. And I looked at the DVD and I turned it round and read it. And it was about the well dressings in Tissington. Now, to anybody else, it wouldn't have meant, meant anything. Now, a couple of you have got a little smile on your face. So maybe one or two of you have heard of the well dressings in Tissington. Well, this would have been meaningless to anyone else, as I said. But for me, me and Linda, my friend, used to go with my parents. And we used to walk round the beautifully decorated wells in Tissington, which reached down into the ground and produced water. And in our reading, we see an event which happened by a well. It was just a well where women went to draw water every day. And if you look through the Bible, you will see the Bible is full of events which happened by wells. Wells were hugely significant in Bible times because it was the well which sustained life. They just couldn't go and turn on the tap. If an enemy wanted to overcome a village, they could simply block up the wells and the people would die from lack of water. It was that important. In Genesis 26, it reads, Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. Battles were fought over wells. They were that important. In the same passage, it says Isaac's servant dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying the water is ours. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one too. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did, but they did not quarrel over that one. So wells were hugely important. If people wanted to pass through a certain area, they would often promise not to go off the road or drink from their well because water wells were very precious structures to the people. Now, we read a very familiar story which took place in a village in Samaria. And this well was called Jacob's well because according to tradition, it was jugged. It was dug by Jacob and his family, and it was used by them, and it was situated near the ground which Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. And we read that Jesus came along, he was hungry and he was thirsty, so he sent his disciples to the village to buy food, and he sat down at the well. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and they started to talk about the water. Now, Jesus opened the conversation by asking the woman for a drink of water. 
It was a very natural, everyday way to begin a conversation. But it wasn't a very natural, everyday way thing for a Jew to ask a Samaritan for a drink of water. And the woman addresses this fact. She says, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? She was reminding him that Samaritans were hated by the Jews. And she was reminding him that he shouldn't be talking to her at all. Firstly, as a woman. Secondly, as a Samaritan. But Jesus takes no notice of what she said. Because he continues and he says, If you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. But the woman still sees the problem. She hadn't cottoned on. She's still going on about a bucket and stuff. And so she points out he's got no bucket and the well is deep. So how is he going to get any water to give her? Then Jesus explains that the water he is talking about is just different water. The water I give will be an artisan spring within, gushing fountains of endless life. And then the story moves on. That's what we were feeling. You know, when we were here and, you know, that we were feeling, I could tell that many of you were feeling that. You were feeling that gush inside. When you were praying, you were feeling that you wanted to express yourself. And that is exactly the stuff that's inside of us gushing forward, gushing out. So the story moves on, but what I want us to focus on, as I said, is not the story, but on the well. Because I believe that it can give us a better life, it can equip us in a better way when we are really full of the Holy Spirit to deal with things that come our way. I've been reading a little bit about wells and their significance originated a long time before the Christian era. People dug wells and they became special places because... As I said, within each village, they really were the source of life. In Britain, when the missionaries arrived, they noticed that people worshipped the wells. They, were, they, they, threw, they made gifts to the wells. That's why people throw pennies in nowadays, because that's where it comes from. And they, um, they used to go and talk to their dead relatives by wells. They would solve their problems by wells. And so after a while, the missionaries tolerated this, and then eventually... They Christianized the wells and began to thank God for the water they provided. And so the wells were integrated into Christianity. Now, these wells that the missionaries discovered, um, some of them were hand dug by men and some of them are naturally formed. That's when the water has naturally eroded from the space. It comes up from the space below and the water comes to the surface. And I was thinking how like our own Christian experience this is. Sometimes in order to reach God, we have to persevere and we have to push in, don't we, to reach him. But other times he unexpectedly in a meeting or a conference or at home bursts into our life and our experience. I'm sure that if we went around the room, you could tell me of both types of things where you have had an encounter with God. Some years ago, when we were in our first church, we had a youth leader called Gordon. And Gordon had three boys. And his boys grew up. And they um, came to be adults. And sadly, all of them 
um, stopped going to church at that time. But his middle child, Tim, not only went away from God, but he also went to work in a foreign country. He married a foreign girl, and he became absorbed into her religion and her culture. It really did seem that Tim was just lost. But one day, Gordon rang us to say that unknown to him, Tim had spent a good deal of time reading the Bible and had made a decision that he wanted to commit his life back to God. Right in the middle of that foreign country, worshipping the foreign religion, God touched him. And Tim's wife was obviously very unhappy. A few weeks later, I received this text. It was sent from our friend who got it from his son. This was on my phone. Tim had put, since I gave my life to Christ in December, Jane was both surprised and a little disappointed, but she noticed big changes in my life, and we started having discussions about religion. She saw I was getting closer to God and wanted that too, but was confused about who God was. So one day while I was at work, I didn't know, but she opened her heart to God and she asked him with all her heart who he was. She was kneeling on the bed with a hand clasped in prayer when suddenly she was moved forward and felt a heavy weight of the cross and the sin of the world on her. Then a vision of Jesus descended into our bedroom and stood. he stood at the end of the bed. Jesus told her to follow him. Then she felt the weight of the cross lifted, and she felt cleansed from all sin. She then actually had a conversation with Jesus in our bedroom. Now, remember, Dad, Jane knew nothing. This is Tim um, texting. Jane knew nothing virtually about the Bible. Jane asked Jesus if he was looking for his lost sheep. He replied, yes. Jesus showed her the gates of heaven and said, narrow is the great but Broad is the gate to destruction. Finally, he told Jesus that she would be hated because he was hated. Dad, these are all Bible verses she has no knowledge of. Then more amazingly, she had a very long text message conversation with her Catholic friend as though she were a pastor. She was quoting scripture left, right, and center. She had no idea what it all meant until I showed her the verses. That is only explainable by supernatural forces. How amazing is that? That was on my phone. It wasn't a book that I read. It wasn't a magazine that I read. It wasn't a rumor that I heard, but it was actually on my phone. I'm sure if, it's, if, I, if I look back somewhere, it's there. But it was there today, here and today. Now Jane is working on telling her family the good news of the gospel that we are now no longer living under the law of the commandments. You see, God's living water is flowing today. It touches us when we worship God and we're brought to tears. It touches us when we open for prayer and we want to pray. It touches us when God impacts our life and say, I want to share my story with other, you know, with all my friends. That's God living water flowing today. This is not a story you read in a magazine that I read to you. God is on the move. The Holy Spirit is flowing in his church, and he is flowing in the individual lives of his people. I could feel the presence of God as I stood at the front of your church. And I want to share 
Four things about you and your well and my well in him and how discovering this water can be life-changing. So firstly, wells are discovered. The lady said, sir, give me this well. She was on a journey. Sometimes, like our friend's son, Tim, it's a hand dug well where he dug and dug and dug. And I'm sure some days it seemed very, very hard. But he dug and he was hard work and he dug, but he thought and he studied and he prayed. And even though he was far away in another country, far from God, he found the living water. But sometimes, like his wife, it's a natural well where the water just sometimes seems to find its own way to the surface. And God just hits you when you least expect it. Before Jesus left this earth, he said to his disciples, I will pray to the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of the truth. But you know him for he dwells in you and you and will be in you. On the day that we are saved, we discover that we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. There was an article in the paper not too long ago and it was talking about how this couple had been renovating their house. And the builder phoned them. And they'd already found some pictures and some murals on the wall and the old pub sign when it used to be a pub and things. But the builder rang them and he said, I found a well. Do you want me to fill it in? I said, no, don't fill it in. Keep it. We'll keep it till, you know, till we get back. So they looked at this well. And that turned out to be the highlight of the whole project. The couple built a brick wall at the top. They added a wooden top and they've used the water from the well ever since. And in a similar way, when you and I dig deep in God, whatever our situation, whatever our circumstance, we find treasures that we didn't expect. Sometimes it can cause, it, it, it can cost effort and heartache but there are things to find in him. God's attributes are unfathomable, and we can never reach the end of his amazing surprises if we are willing to search for them. That's what keeps our journey fresh and living, that we don't worship a dead God, but there is always something new to discover in him, however long we have been on the road. He provides for us. He delights in us. I read some of those there. He keeps us safe. He forgives us. You know, so many things. You know, when I wrote that little dog book, I thought, you know, I'll find 10. But I just kept going on and on and on, finding the things that God did, some of those things that God does for us. You know, we fight, we dig, and we find treasures. Isaiah 12 says, Joyfully, you'll pull up buckets of water from the wells of salvation. And as you do, you will say, give thanks to God. That means that after we are saved, we can keep enjoying that living water again and again. We can keep pulling up buckets of the Holy Spirit and treasures in him by whom we can be refreshed again and again. So wells are discovered. Number two, wells are hard work. We have a friend who used to work for 30 years at a place which had the deepest hand-dug well in the world. Its depth is greater 
than the height of the Empire State Building. That is deep, isn't it? And when they were digging the well, they built winchman's platforms every so many hundred meters. And it seemed that they would be digging forever. But they knew, eventually, they should reach water. And after four years of work, it was March the 16th, 1862, they began to notice the earth moving. And they began to notice, gradually, the hole that they were digging in was being pushed up and filling with water. Fast as they could, they scrambled back up the rickety ladders and platforms to get to the top before the water broke through and filled the well. There must have been times they thought they would never reach that water. And for some of you, maybe, you've been digging and digging and digging and searching. You know, sometimes the source of life is reached by descending into the depths of a deep, dark shaft. And there's someone that needs to hear that, particularly if you hear nothing else today, reach out, grab that, pull it to yourself. Sometimes the source of life is reached by descending into a deep, dark shaft. And maybe you feel you've been there, or maybe you are there. If you are, you are in the very place where the living water is. Maybe that water is nearer than you think. It's dark and it's deep and it's silent. And it seems like the water is a million miles away. When the workmen went down the shaft, it was deep and it was dark. It seemed it was miles away. But they were right by it. Maybe for you, if this word is for you, that water is nearer than you think. Isaiah 55 says, hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come and eat. Buy and eat. Come buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Buy without money. Everything is free. Sometimes we have to dig down to search for him, to really make an effort to be present in the moment in church, to keep our mind fixed on him. You know what it's like when you're sitting in church and you're thinking, have I turned the oven on or not? Will we actually get any dinner today? You know, you listen and then your mind, if you're anything like me. The woman of Samaria came to draw the water. And we are invited to come. To come is an action. To come means to move nearer, to approach to reach out. It's something we do. And as we do that, we get nearer to the source of life. But we have to come. When we were first saved, we went to a little brethren church and it taught us many things. But we were young, you know, and it was hard to understand sometimes. And so we used to make church a little bit more interesting. We, invite, we invented little games to brighten up the meetings. When Mr. Watts got up each week, he would pray the longest prayers we had ever heard in our lives. And each week, they seemed to get longer. So we would take bets on the length of the prayer, write our bets on a little piece of paper and see who won that week. There was one unfortunate evening when Mr. Brooks was speaking. And he used to come and he used to say, he, we called him the dear friend, because after every sentence he would say, dear friend. 
And so we used to sit and count the dear friends. I think 102 was the most that we got to in a meeting. But there was one unfortunate evening, and it, it was the cup final of the FA Cup. And I didn't mind at all, but Kevin, my husband, wasn't happy. We were just going out then. And I mean, he wasn't happy because he was going to miss the FA Cup. So he arrived with his earphone in and with his transistor radio in his pocket. And he settled down, once the sermon had begun, he settled down comfortably with his earpiece in to enjoy the football. And all went well until Bobby Moore passed the ball to Alan Ball. And Alan Ball beat two players in an amazing dribble and passed the ball to Bobby Charlton, who squared it to Alan Mullery. And Mullery, quick as a flash, pulled back his right foot and he shot. And the ball flew like a rocket past the goalkeeper and burst into the back of the net. At that moment, 60,000 people and Kevin <laughs> jumped to their feet in ecstasy. Kevin came down to earth right in the middle of Mr. Brooks' third point. It was not a happy experience for any of us. So sometimes it takes discipline to keep our minds on what we are here for. But wells are discovered and wells are hard work. And when we come, then he rewards us when we come, not just physically, but mentally, emotionally, and spiritually then he turns up for us. Thirdly, wells are maintained. Jesus told the woman, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never thirst. But we have to guard the gift that God has given us and maintain that well within us because it's so precious. The stuff that's in it, the Holy Spirit is so precious within us. And often we don't think about maintaining that well. Apparently, when a well had been dug, the next five to ten years were taken to scrub the walls of the well to make sure it was clean for the water to stand in. How do we maintain our well with God or our relationship with God? We maintain it by spending time with him, reading his words, being at church, spending time in fellowship with other Christians. Sometimes that's really hard to do when you don't feel like doing it. But it's how we keep things alive. Reading Christian books, looking for God's moments, you know, in the week. It's how we keep our well from being covered with moss, poison ivy, and falling into disrepair. These are the things that keep us going in the right direction. Sometimes ago, Kevin and I were traveling down to Nantwich from Glasgow. We got to Gretna Green. I said, I'll drive. And Kev said, oh, I'm really tired. Okay, you drive. Within a minute, he was asleep. Gretna Green, you go one way to go north, you go another way to go south. So I put the music on. And my sat-nav started to tell me to come off at the next, next junction. I knew you didn't come off at the next junction. I knew the way to Nantwich. And so I carried on. Eventually, I turned it off. I thought, these things are rubbish. They just don't work. Turned my sat-nav off. So anyway, the sun was shining. It wasn't in my eyes anymore. We'd been in a traffic jam. No traffic jam. The traffic jam was the other side of the road now. I put music on, and I'm driving along. Some of you are ahead of me, yes. Music on. Kevin woke up. Unfortunately, just as we were passing a sign which said, Glasgow, 
Glasgow. Glasgow, 12 miles. How do you do that? How do you drive all the way back up the road and not know? <laughs> I'd driven up the wrong, not the wrong way up the motorway, but I'd, I'd taken the wrong cutoff and I was going in the wrong direction. I hadn't taken any notice of the things that were there to keep me going in the right direction. It is important, however basic it seems, that we check our Bible reading, we check prayer, we check we come to church, whether we feel like it or not feel like it. We have fellowship with other people because these are the things that maintain our well. It's important that we maintain our well. It's the thing that brings us life on a daily basis. We are maintaining our well, this, our well this morning, being together. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. And as you move forward, be sure to keep discovering your well, keep putting in the hard work, keep maintaining your well, and that work which God has begun with you when you were saved. Isaiah 49 says, For the compassionate one guides them, takes them to the best springs, and I pray for the best springs for this church. You've got the water flowing for this work. You have a great heritage. You have an exciting future. And I wish I could go to the plant seminar. If you've never done soaking, you must do soaking. It's just, just you come and you take your... Well, I didn't have a blanket. I didn't. I just lay on the floor. But it was something that really changed my life. Soaking in the Holy Spirit. It does you so much good. But, um, yeah, this is his promise to you and I, the best springs. So wells are discovered, the hard work they're maintained. And lastly, wells are protected. Jesus said to the woman, the water I give will become in him a fountain of water springing up. When I was preparing this church, that when I was preparing for this church, I was doing a little research on what I would do if I dug a well. Now, living in East Kilbride in Scotland, I'm not likely to dig a well. But if I dug a well, I would have to protect my well. I would have to check the ground for oil um, to identify problems in the immediate ground. I would have to check for pesticides and salt sprayed on the roads. And that I would do the checks to protect my well from harm. I want to ask you today, how many things can get into the well of your God experience? Things you see, things you hear, things we read about. Is there anything polluting the life-giving water in your well? We're called to be in the world, but not of the world. Now, when we were first saved, it was quite easy, I thought, when I was first saved. You know, they just told you don't drink, dance, spit or chew or hang around with those that do. It was just simple. But now we are encouraged to get out and to get into the world and to have friends, you know, and to connect with them. I want to ask you, are you different from them? Am I different from my non-Christian friends, unchurched friends, or do I just sort of blend into them and blend into the background nervously? Are you, is the living water flowing in you so that they can see that? Isaiah 58 says, the Lord will guide you continually. Satisfy your soul in drought. Strengthen your bones. Then it says, you shall be like a watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. 
Jesus said to the woman, the water I gave will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He is not just for today. It leads somewhere. At the end of Revelation, John wrote, the angel showed me the water of life river, crystal bright. It flowed from the throne of God and the Lamb right down the middle of the street. The source, the place that we are digging to, is the water of life river, which we find deep in God, when God was touching our lives in that worship, we were touching the water of life river. Let's go back to the well dressings just to bring this to a close. In Tissington, they began after the Black Death of 1348. Five million people died. But the people in Tissington, nobody died. And they attributed that to the, to the purity of the well, that things around didn't get them because the purity of the water, that's what they drink, drank from, and that's how it was being spread. I'm sure you will agree that in this day there is a creeping darkness, and the thing that will keep us in these dark times is the purity of the water of life river. And as we dig wells, it gives the opportunity for other people to get hit by that water. If it can happen to Tim, if it can happen to Jane, it can happen to those people you know who have gone away from God or who have never found him. That was on my phone. It really happened. If it can happen to them, it can happen to your friends, your relations. There are Tims all over this land. There are Janes all over this land that God wants to supernaturally impact. We must discover these wells, work hard on these wells, maintain our well, protect our well. Because of that water of life river, the woman of the well was transported from the back to the front. She'd gone from natural water. She got supernatural water. She had gone for earthly water. She got the heavenly stuff. We know that. Because the Bible says many of the Samaritans committed themselves to Jesus because of the woman's witness. And as a result, a lot more people began to drink from the living water too. Hey there, all who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway. Buy and eat. Come, buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Buy without money. Everything's free. And you know why it's all free? Because Jesus has already paid the price. Let's pray. The Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you soul, your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Father, we take hold of those words and we pull them to ourselves. Make us like a water garden, we pray, like a spring of water. Lord, I pray that you have touched us today. And as you have touched us, Father, I pray that you'll continue to give us God moments this week, Lord. And I pray that those around us, Lord, will get splashed by that amazing Holy Spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.